The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup podcast. I am Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball. Very excited to be talking to you on, at least in Seattle, it's a sunny Monday. I was saying, what's a sunny Monday? But it, it may be awful in Boston. I have no idea. It has, uh, it's basically not stopped raining in Boston for like two weeks now, maybe three. Oh, I, I, it's been the worst July I've ever experienced. That's crazy. We, we could desperately use some of that rain because it's been so dry out here. And this is a perfect segue into my warning, my caveat of all of my notes today, which is that I have no idea what's going on because I've been away in the woods for three days and had no cell phone reception or anything. And I haven't had a chance to really catch up, but I went off camping with the family and we couldn't have a campfire because there's a burn ban everywhere because of the danger of forest fires because it's so dry out here. And so it's the weather's been great. I mean, like when you're in the city, you're like, wow, it's beautiful and sunny. And then you go out in the woods, you're like, oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's actually not good for nature. <laughs> like, right. Nature needs water. So maybe we can trade just for a couple days. Well, you know, something's weird when there's no rain in Seattle. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing is Seattle, there is like six or seven months starting in the fall, running through the spring of just gray and gloom. And it's like a drizzly rain nonstop. And our summers are legitimately incredible. Lately, thanks to global warming, they've been getting too hot. But when they're not too hot, like it's usually like 70s and sunny from basically early July through September. That's beautiful. It's pretty great. But we, we could use some rain right now. And actually, well, the, uh, please this, take it from us. So we'll, we'll do that if we can. I'll try to figure out a way. And actually, the place I went this weekend, so I was at a place called Camp Disappointment State Park. It's in southwestern Washington State, right near the Oregon border. And it's it's right near the furthest point west that Lewis and Clark made it on their journey because it's right on the Pacific Ocean there. So it's right around, right at the the mouth of the Columbia River. So, you know, you're a history teacher. I thought you'd enjoy that little fact. Yeah, and you're a history buff. I I I love it. That's awesome. That's it. We're going to, you know, that's the other news we have is that this is now a history podcast. So if you're interested (laughs) in baseball. fantastic. (laughs) Maybe we'll we'll spend a couple minutes on history in each episode. We're not really going to be a history podcast, but maybe someday, maybe someday. (laughs) But today, what we want to talk about, we are getting close to the end of July, and it's we, we've talked a lot about trades already, but trades are starting to pour in, at least in my leagues. Is that, that happening for you too? Yeah, I'd cross two different leagues. I had five trades today. 
Padres today. Today, that is, yes. So that's today is an intense day. It's a big day for us because so this league's been going on for almost 15 years now. And I, I should just provide this context up front because I know we're going to talk about these trades. It's a very unique league. It's been, you know, adjusted and molded over years. And so we allow draft pick trading, but we only allow draft pick trading for a two week period during the season. And that period began today. <laughs> but before before you go into the details, that why? What's the sure. what's the purpose of that? Um, so it was a little bit of the nanny state, to be honest, early on, because teams were clearly like just packing it in way too early, and it and it really hurt the league. I think because I, I'm absolute sure, laissez faire. You know, manage your team how you want to manage your team, and and, and go at it. And I'm a hundred percent behind that, but. It, it almost got necessary where it was like, oh, no, I had a bad April, so I better, you know, sell Acuna and, you know, I don't know, Lance Lynn for th- three picks or I, I better trade, you know. Yeah. It, so that it got a little bit out of hand. So we kept adjusting it and adjusting it. And so you can trade one of your first through fifth round picks and one of your sixth through 10th round picks within two weeks of the trade deadline. And our trade deadline is in exactly two weeks from today. So all of a sudden, the pick trades just started flushing in. Got it. That makes sense. People have probably been negotiating them and, and thinking about them. And now, now they can be made official. It's always a crazy time of the year. It's like you guys have your own version of the the Stepien rule from the NBA, right? The like, you can't trade. What is it in the NBA? It's you can't trade your first round pick in consecutive seasons or something like that. It's, it's something weird like that. And then there's the, yeah, I don't even want to go down that road. But yes, as, we as have a constitution. Ted, Ted Stepien was a Cavs owner who was so bad that the league had to make up rules to stop him from being even worse. <laughs> so there, there you go. You guys have your own version of that in your. You league. eventually got a title, man. Eventually got we a did. title. We did. It only it, it only took half a century, <laughs> but we did eventually get one. We're still waiting in all our other sports, but maybe someday, maybe someday. So what we want to talk about, in addition to the trades that that just came pouring in in Pete's league, there have been a bunch of interesting trades in some of my auto new leagues over the last couple weeks. For those of you who read my stuff on fan graphs. I've put up a couple of articles, three articles actually over the last two weeks. One that sort of outlined how I think about the trade deadline, two others that were sort of case studies and how I'm setting up my teams for the trade deadline. This is sort of the next step after that, right? You've thought about the trade deadline. Now you're starting to make some trades. And so what we want to get into is what did those trades look like? And I think we'll maybe you know critique them a little bit, what we like, what we didn't like. And to get started, Pete, why don't you talk through, why don't you pick one of the trades from your leagues that you were intrigued by? Sure. So let's let's just start with the one that has no draft picks involved, because I think I think we can talk about this one a little bit more quickly. Last episode, our coming of age for our drinking age episode, episode 21, we talked about Ronald Acuna and what to do with him in keeper leagues. And right now I'm in negotiations to acquire him in my favorite league. And he was traded in another one of my leagues. So this trade was very simple. It was Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini for Ronald Acuna Jr. and Giancarlo Stanton. I, I'll, I'll turn over to you first, Chad. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this deal? It's a standard five by five head to head league. Yeah, I mean, keep five. By the way, M- Mullins five. and Mancini. You said Mullins and Mancini. So is there like an Orioles fan in your league that was just like <laughs> you know off of the Mount Castle next, and they can yeah, the yeah. Whole set? yeah, that's every Oriole as far as I know. Maybe yeah. John Means is back. Yeah, what, are, uh, what are the tomorrow. 
So, the, you know, before you can dive into anything like this, what is the cost for keepers for these guys? Sure. So this league's very simple. Uh, you can keep five players and we reset every four years. Reset so every- there's no there's no cost. Essentially, you have to keep five. So it's not like you can get an extra pick if you don't. And you reset uh, every four years, meaning everybody resets or like we redraft. OK. Yeah. So it's like every what year of the cycle are you on? Uh, this is year one. And I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Juan Soto. So I'm, I'm a little keep happy those right two. now. Yeah, keep I think I think, I think they're going to make the cut. Yeah, man. You know, in that structure I, I don't know i don't know why you trade acuña yeah and if you're gonna trade him i i guess to me this this, this is a cedric mullins question that that's really what this is if cedric mullins is what he's looked like so far this year and he is a five category contributor and going to put up big numbers. Then you're talking about a guy who, like, if he finishes the season as hot as he started the season, he's going to be a first or second round pick next year, maybe second or third. But he's going to be an early pick. And then I look at this and it's like, okay, I can maybe squint and, and see that. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the team that gave up Acuna, are they competing? Yeah, so that's important context that I left out. They are in first place in the league. The team, obviously, that is acquiring Acuna. Well, I guess it's not obvious, but they are well out of contention. They are dead last in the league. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at this as... So it's actually kind of interesting, chat, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad we brought this one up first because I was offered a $3 Cedric Mullins in our league for a 40... I think it's a $47 Mookie Betts and a $4 Nick Senzel. Now, you know I love Senzel, and you also know that I'm most likely cutting both Anthony Rendon and Francisco Lindor, which gives me enough space to keep that, I think, still reasonably priced Mookie Betts, although I'm sure he's going to get cut in a lot of places and that that average salary is going to drop. But he's getting hot lately. I know he got hurt. I think it was last night. But before the injury, he it, he was beginning to look like Mookie Betts again. And so to me, it was like, if I can still afford Mookie Betts, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's a little risky. But at the same time, talking out of both sides of my mouth, I really like what we're seeing from Cedric Mullins. I think he's got great pull power. He's good at just pulling it and getting it up in the air and getting it over that short right field fence in in, in uh, Camden. I I like him. Um, I just couldn't give up Mookie for that. Just because if, if Cedric Mullins flops, then I lost Mookie and a pretty good young player in my opinion in Senzel. Yeah, for nothing. Yeah, I think as I as I look at this, I mean, getting back to this trade, I, I do think that's it. Is if you think a you're in first place. You think Mullins can be 70 to 75% of what Acuna was. Uh, then I get this, right? Because then what you've done is you've you've replaced most of that production this year. You've added Mancini. And yeah, you're going to lose Acuna next year. But if you really believe in Mullins long term, then you know, you're taking a hit in the future, but you're you're still getting something back. So I, I get that. I, I get that. It, it's, it's a weird trade because you think of Mullins as like, the cheaper guy and Acuna is the more expensive guy, but with no keeper costs and stuff that doesn't really factor in. And so I totally get why this team did this Acuna and Stanton feels like a lot to have given up. So that was my next question because are we, are we sure that in the second half Trey Mancini is an upgrade over Giancarlo Stanton? Cause if I'm trading away Ronald Acuna jr, I better be upgrading everything that I'm getting. And I, I don't know, like who would you rather yeah. have in the second half Chad Stanton or Mancini? probably Stanton. 
Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. At no cost. I mean, I, I think so. Th- there's a couple other factors here. Like one is 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 Stanton outfield eligible in that league? I don't believe he is outfield eligible in ESPN. So that definitely is a significant part of this. I'm yeah, going so, to pull up his roster while you talk. So if, yeah, if you can get, if, if part of the difference here is you can get Mancini or maybe Mancini's not outfield eligible either. I don't know what his eligibility situation is. He is, is. I he think is. first and outfield. That's I what believe. I thought. If, if you're moving him to the outfield instead of Mancini, or instead of Stanton at, at DH or Util, it starts to feel a little bit better. Then I start to get into like a, it's more of a toss up between those two in the second half. But I mean, the reality is like, if Stanton's healthy, we know what he can do, right? He's capable right. of being the best player in baseball, the best hitter in baseball anyways, over a three-month stretch. So you're giving up that upside. He is also capable of playing six games in the second half <laughs> and doing nothing for you. So you're giving up that risk. I worry, maybe this isn't fair, but like, I worry about Mancini holding up over the season. I don't think he'll get hurt necessarily, but it's been a long time since he's played this long. And he went through all sorts of cancer treatment and stuff in the meantime. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I worry that he'll, he's going to fade in the second half just just from the pure drain of the season. I'll say this as, as, a, as I think towards 2022, one of the things I'm watching is Mancini fading in the second half. And being able to buy low in the off season when when there's I'm looking for those teams that are like he was so good in the first half and then he fell apart once the league caught up to him and I feel like no nah, man give him a full regular off season a chance to get healthy a chance to get right and he'll put up a full season next season I really believe in him I'm intrigued I, I don't know I, th- this is a tough one to evaluate though this is a really tough one I, I think. First of all, I'll say this: if you're in last place and you can trade Mullins and Mancini for Acuna and Stanton, do it. Right, and this is a great example of actually the the importance of trying to win your league rather than trying to win the trade. The team in first place probably didn't win the trade, but this might be enough to make them win the league, and that might be worth losing the trade. The team in last, this is a great trade for them, and they should be thrilled. You've upgraded two of your keepers. That's a, that's an awesome win for them, I think. But I think it might still prove to be a good trade for the other team as long as Mancini proves to be an upgrade over Stanton. And I, I think it's a reasonable bet to make. It's definitely not yeah. outlandish. I mean, so a couple things here, first of all, like he didn't really shop Acuna around. That's he just bad. immediately dealt him. I, I would agree with that. I think part of the reason why he traded Stanton is be, is because of he is util only, and he's going to be getting back Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez pretty soon. So he's going to need to be able to be a little bit more flexible in his roster as those guys return. I'm not even sure if Stanton, though, is a keeper for this team that acquired him. He might Wait, be really? on the outside. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he's got Yelich. He's, he's obviously got Acuna now. Acuna now. He's also got Cody Bellinger. He's got Corey Seager. He's got Sandy Alcantara. So th- there's some names here. Luis Castillo, if you're a believer. So he's like borderline, which tells me like he might not have demanded Stanton. And so I don't know. Yeah. Now I'm reading too much into it, but yeah, uh, it's... I think the thing that's interesting with Stanton is if you look at that list of keepers, like Yelich has been fine. He hasn't been particularly good, but he's been fine. Seeger's been hurt. Bellinger has been bad. And yeah. so maybe what he's looking at here is just a hedge. Like, sure. let's see 
am I keeping like maybe there's only a 50-50 shot he keeps Stanton, but if he doesn't keep Stanton, it's because all those other guys perform in the second half and then he's fine with that. But if one of those guys falters, if Bellinger never turns it around, if Seeger never really comes back healthy, if Alcantara has a, a rough second half, like he's got some some options there. And maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't know. Are there offseason trades? Maybe he's thinking he'll, if they all pan out, he makes another trade in the offseason. Yeah, we don't allow draft pick trades in this particular league, but you can absolutely, you know, that team that has like six really good players can trade them, can trade two, two of them for, for a keeper one. upgrade. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, so maybe that's what they're thinking too. I, regardless, I really like that trade for them. I, th- I think that's a good trade. And, and I think the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, the more it feels like if you're in first place, it's, it's not great that that team didn't shop Acuna because they don't actually know what they could have gotten. If you did shop Acuna and what it came down to is you can get rid of Acuna and Stanton and get back Mullen. I mean, near term for this season, if you think Mancini and Stanton are are close enough that it's a debate, Mullins is a lot better than Acuna the rest of this year, right? So mm-hmm. that's a big upgrade for that team. And if they're fighting to hold on to first place, I, I totally get that. But I do think that's a it's a really good point they didn't shop them. I think, man, I, when you're talking about trading a star like that, the only, only case where I would make a trade of a guy like Acuna without shopping them is if somebody hit me up with an unexpected trade offer that was just so good that right. I was scared that shopping them would cost me that trade, right? Like you just got to act before, before they rescind right. it. This doesn't feel like that to me. This feels like a good trade, but not necessarily, I don't know. It might have been the best trade they could have gotten. It is entirely possible they would have shopped Acuna and this would have been the best they could do. I just am not convinced of that necessarily. If only because I think they could have gotten Mullins and Mancini without giving up Stan. Easily, you would think. Yeah. So what about what else? You want to go to one of yours that included a draft pick? Sure, yeah, we can we can break one of these down. So I went over the, the stipulations for this league. It is a 16-team league head-to-head. And it's weird this year because honestly, it is wide open. I think it's probably that way for a lot of people's leagues because of all the injuries this year, the unpredictability of it all. But I mean, there's there's usually like one or two teams where you're like, whoa, that it's going to take a lot to beat that team. It is it, it is seriously wide open. We've had let's let's start with let's do a pretty simple one to set the table here. So Lou Trevino, Lance Lynn, and Giancarlo Stanton again were traded for a 2022 first round pick. Now it's important to keep in mind that that pick is after the first 48 players are off the board because the first 48 picks are all the keeper rounds. Each team keeps three. So there's six three, three per team for a 16. Exactly. And is this another, there's no cost. It's just, you're giving up. Bingo. Your yep. first and pick, and you can pick. keep them for, we don't reset. I've had, uh, for example, Alex Bregman since he came into the league. So we, we do not reset our keepers. So if you have one of these long-term keepers, it's very, very important. I don't view Trevino, Lynn or Stanton, that way at all. I wouldn't be surprised if none of them, believe it or not, end up being kept in this particular league, just just the way it goes. However, uh, that's obviously a haul. Trading your first round pick in a 16-team league, though, and, and I'll turn it over to you, Chad. I mean, it can be an absolute death sentence for next year. I mean, that's hyperbole. It's not, right? You could, <laughs> you could, you could hit on your second and third, but to sit there as 32 picks go by before you get to pick or, or something like that, I mean, that's like if, if that ends up being the first overall pick, then he's not picking one through 16. Yeah. And presumably though, whatever, presumably though, that team that bought thinks they have a shot to win the league. Yeah. Right. So they shouldn't be picking first overall. They should be picking 12th overall, at least if not 16th. Like if, if everything works out, they're picking 16, 17 and giving up one of those two doesn't seem so bad. It still sucks. Can I add a wrinkle to that? Sure. 
That next trade that I sent you was the same team, except in that situation, they're acquiring the pick. So they traded away Casey Mize and Colton Wong for a 2022 third round pick. And that's why I think they felt more comfortable now dealing on one of their earlier picks to get a better haul. So um, they, they basically gave up. So let me think about this. Let's, let's combine these two deals. They gave up sure. Trevino. No, no, they got Trevino. So they gave up. They gave up Mize and Wong and a first for Trevino, Lynn, Stanton, and a third. Correct. Okay. So, I mean, that, no, this is an interesting one. In, in a keep three, let's start with this. There are five players involved here, and I don't think more than one of them are keepers. If if any of them are kept, it'll be, it'll actually, believe it or not, be Lance Lynn, and I don't think he's going to be kept. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at NFBC ADP for this season, because we're going to have next season. Lance Lynn was going around 53rd overall. Stanton was going 111th. Neither of those guys have moved their value up much. Lynn has maybe helped his a little bit, but he's he is super borderline for, for being top 48, I think. He's older, Mize too. Mize was obviously going very late. Wong was obviously going very late. Those guys are a lot more valuable today than they were previously, but neither of them are top 50 guys, I don't think. And I don't think Trevino's a top 50 guy, although he's pretty valuable right now. So... I don't know. I mean, I look at this, and so I'm thinking there are no re- there are no keepers exchanging hands. So if I look at this from purely a 2021 standpoint, a first, giving up a first to get a third, you've now upgraded Mize to Lynn, which I think is a pretty significant upgrade. I like Mize a lot, but that's still a pretty big upgrade. And then you've given up Wong to get Stanton and Trevino, which is, I, I think, as much as I like Wong, is obviously an upgrade. And for the for the cost to do that, you've dropped two rounds in the draft. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's actually a really smart combination of deals. I'm a little, I'm sort of intrigued if the team that gave up the third rounder for Mize and Wong is that team competing? The team I got I got to look up to see exactly who that was. If they, oh yes, they are actually. So if the the team trading away any any of the teams trading away picks are trying to compete. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not that makes sense. I think if, if you can upgrade I don't I mean at first glance like this seems like a situation where there are four teams involved and I think this makes sense for or three teams involved because two of them are the same. There's three teams involved. If you're not competing and you can give up Trevino, Lynn, and Stanton and get a first, I mean, I get that you're waiting a long time for that first. But again, going back to NFBC ADP for this season, you're looking at something in the range of number 49 to number 64 or something like that. And looking at guys who went in that range this year who probably could still be in that range next year. Because some of these guys like... Zach Gallen is probably going to fall a bit. Glaber Torres is certainly going to fall a bit. Kevin Biggio will probably fall a bit. But like Pete Alonso went 52nd last year. He's having a good season, but not great. He probably doesn't move a ton. Aaron Judge is went, went 51st. He probably moves up. George Springer went 49th. If I look a little bit lower down the list, Trent Christian went 71st, and he's going to move up a lot. But depending on how many other keepers his team has, he strikes me as the kind of guy who could be a first rounder in this one there's probably at least one team that has four or maybe five or six of the top 48 players which means some of those guys are going to drop so i don't know i like this and it's like if you can give up those three guys and get a 50th pick 51st pick whatever it ends up being like that's a pretty good a pretty good trade to make similarly if you can give up a third round pick which is really a sixth round pick and a sixth round pick and a 
16 teamer, which is, you know, getting pretty deep there to add Mize and Wong and help yourself this year. I think that makes sense. And we already talked through the combined trade for the two, the team that was involved in both. I like this. I think that there's probably two teams that have meaningfully helped themselves this year. And the team that added a first round pick for three guys they weren't going to keep most likely. I think something that needs to be mentioned is that we had these four trades, right? And, and and you did bring up that these guys may have been negotiating ahead of time just in preparation for that deadline. But see, this is why I wait is because that I can tell you from experience in this league, a third round pick for Colton Wong and Casey Mize, it definitely looks like like you improved your team and and you, you can survive a loss in the pick. You know, who knows? Maybe you would have took someone with that pick and they end up getting Tommy John in anyway, so it would have been irrelevant. But you can do so much better in this league with your draft picks because as the clock ticks, Remember that you can only deal two of your draft picks total. So that means between among the contending teams, there's only so many picks that can actually be traded. So those teams that are sellers, they know that that market is shrinking with every deal that takes place. So they know they've got limited options and they're probably going to have to pay more. I, I'm not going to keep circling back to this, but I just encourage people to like be patient at your trade deadline. It, if there's a good deal that you need to strike, then strike. But otherwise, I, I've always found in my 15 years of playing this game, patience is what wins at the deadline. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You, you want to take your time, find the right deal, try to find the best deal, not the first deal. Hopefully these teams were making those, having those talks at a time and, and getting into the right spot. But if not, they, they may have lost something there, right? There may have been an opportunity to do better. Let's jump over to a couple of trades from Auto New. So I'm going to start off with one in League 1199. This is a four by four league. This is a trade I made. So I I love to hear your thoughts on this trade. So my team, by the way, I'm in third place. At least I was before the weekend when I went away. I think I'm still in third place. I'm in a very close race right now. So I'm actually pulling up the standings now. The first place team has 78 points, right? Four by four Roto. The second place team has 66. There's a pretty big gap back to second. Then from second all the way down to fifth, 66, 63, 63, 60. And actually the sixth place team is 48. So they're right in that mix too. So I'm right in the middle of a group of teams fighting for the top two to three spots. Where that matters is that in this league, the top three teams receive food or beverage items from the bottom nine teams. So it's a fun prize. And I really want to get into that top three. Yes, you do. So I was struggling with on-base percentage. The trade I made, I made this a couple weeks ago, was I gave up my $7 Sixto Sanchez and my $4 Nolan Jones. I got back a $7 Carlos Santana and a $20 Jeff McNeil. So you got Santana and McNeil. You gave up Jones. And what were the others? $7 Sixto Sanchez, $4 Nolan Jones. I also gave up some cap space. I had like 30 bucks in cap space in that league. So I gave up yeah, a few dollars in cap space. Wow. Okay. So needing on base percentage, I mean, Jeff McNeil's having a brutal season, but Carlos Santana is like the, the, what was, what was Euclid called in uh, Moneyball? The, the walks. He's the Greek God of walks. He is the modern day Greek God of walks. No disrespect to Kevin Euclid, who uh, not to get a sidetracked, A-Rod called like one of the Red Sox most like 
erratic hit, like swing outside the zone hitters, which is just factually and statistically wildly incorrect. But we don't need to go down a rabbit hole of all the things A-Rod gets wrong every single time he calls a baseball game. I love the trade for you, honestly. I mean, you know more about Nolan Jones than I do. I actually have him for $4 in in the league that we're in together. And I'm kind of like borderline on him because I have some pretty good infielders. I think the the real prize that you gave up was the $7 Sixto, but a prospect who was having trouble with strikeouts anyway last year not to nitpick him he was pretty pretty awesome last year but he he did strike out with strike or struggle with strikeouts and now he's having shoulder surgery to end his season he's got, has he even thrown a pitch this season and so and you got the greek god of walks and you needed on base percentage so the, i really the like the dominican it. god of well. walks right the what <laughs> the dominican god of walks yes the dominican if god of walks the greek god of walks then carlos santana is the dominican god of walks there we go there we go perfect but yeah and, and just to throw in mcneil i mean i feel like th- this is the lowest value mcneil's had since he was since he made a splash in like i don't know the second half of 2017 like his value has never been lower i feel like he's constantly someone being discussed on twitter is like can i drop jeff mcneil for blank can i drop you know jeff mcneil for fidel bruhan like so his value has never been lower. I think it can only work out for you. I actually like the trade a lot, really just for Santana, but McNeil's a pretty nice kicker. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually I'm a big McNeil fan. I think that he's he's more talented than he's shown this year. He was really he had a slow start last year and then came on really hot in the second half, second month of the season in our shortened season last year. So I'm hoping that he does that this year. He also, if he comes on strong, on-base percentage is a strength for him. And so if he comes on strong, he will help me where I need it. Looking at that team, the other thing that's where, where McNeil factors in, he is second, third, and outfield eligible in that league. And I've got a bunch of guys. My in, my middle infield's been really good. I've got Jake Cronenworth, Bo Bichette, and Marcus Simeon, so very, very happy with that. I've got Kavan Biggio backing them up and haven't really been able to use him much because he's been terrible. But between him and McNeil, I've got... Biggio and McNeil, I've got two guys who could play second, who can play third, play middle infield, who can play outfield, and who should put up good on base percentage if they start performing. And so my hope is that that flexibility really pays off down the stretch and I'm able to use those guys to boost those stats. But yeah, I don't know. Santana was an easy one for me because Santana, my first base situation at league, I've got Luke Voigt, who apparently is injured again. I've got Josh Bell, who, as you and I have talked about, has been good lately, but has been sort of hot and cold all year, and it's hard to know what to expect of him. Being able to just plug Santana in at first base in an on-base percentage league and just wash my hands of that position. Bell can still slot in at Util if he starts to take off for real. I felt really good about that. So that that's where I ended up with that one. Yeah, I think Carlos Santana's value is also just like paying a price because of last season, which really just shouldn't be the case because his last full season in 2019 was what the best year of his career and his numbers are normalizing a bit this year. They're still down and and he's 35 years old. There's not a whole lot of long term value there, but for what you needed and especially the prospects he gave up, you know, I think I think that was a very shrewd move. Well, I appreciate it. Glad to get your the, the Pete Ball seal of approval on that one. <laughs> Let's talk about one more. This is another yeah. auto new league that I'm in. This league, League 32, this is an auto new Fangraphs points league. The team in second place is currently about 200 points out of first and about 250 points ahead of third. I am the third place team in that league. There's a couple other teams that are pretty close, so it's still pretty open in that league. This team made two trades within two hours of each other, and we want to talk about both of them sort of together because I think they're sort of interesting together. The first trade was... He gave up his $6 Alex Kirilov 
for a $21 Michael Conforto. And the second trade was he gave up his $4 Dylan Carlson for a $20 JT Real Muto. So two deals, two hours. He basically gave up Kirilov and Carlson for Conforto and Real Muto, took on a bunch of salary. Uh, there were loans involved. So there's no cap space changing hands, but you know, got more expensive, more veteran. What do you think of that? So the first one, I, I, I don't know. I really like Alex Kirilov. And I, I, as a as a Michael Conforto roster this season, obviously been very disappointed. I know there. I, I saw some chatter on Twitter that like now is actually a pretty good buy low opportunity. He hasn't had an opportunity to get his feet under him. The Mets have been beat up, and he looks pretty locked in. I know he had two doubles the other day and a game winning home run yesterday. So maybe maybe he's getting locked in. But I, I think I think Kirilov could could be close to Conforto if he irons out some of his issues. His stack cast out is very promising. He's got an expected batting average in the 95th percentile, and he's been a top 10 prospect. But the other side of that deal, I love Dylan Carlson. And and I'm sure he's going to end up being a, a fine player, has done nothing but disappoint. And you went and acquired probably, I think, the second best catcher in fantasy baseball. Now, I think it's safe to say that, that Perez has has passed him. I could be forgetting somebody there. I don't think I am. Maybe Buster Posey. I don't know. I'd still take Real Muto. So you're getting a pretty, whoever's catcher was, I'm willing to bet it was a pretty sizable upgrade, right? Who Who is this catcher before Real Muto? Let me take a look and see who he's got on his roster. So his catchers on his roster, well, <laughs> the other catcher on his roster is Will Smith. Oh, wow. So okay. that's an interesting one. When I look at that, that's I didn't really think about that. That's a, that's a good question because I assumed the same thing. Like, oh, he must have needed a catcher. Yeah, that's odd. He he recently cut, like a couple weeks ago, cut William Contreras, who who had started off so well but really cooled off. And so may have needed an upgrade there. I'm going to go check out his games played. Well, he's not really behind the pace of catcher. So he's going to end up probably platooning those two and basically playing matchups with them. I mean, the reality is you need two catchers. Right, so Smith, this team, like looking looking forward, I mean, there are like what sixty ish games left in the season, just about. And in those sixty games, he's gonna need he needs to get fifty five games. No, sixty five games. Sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. There's about seventy games left in the season. He needs about sixty five at catcher. Smith was maybe gonna fill forty of those, maybe. Right. And so, you know, on the on the low side, you're looking at him upgrading. 30-ish games, 25-ish games of whoever his backup catcher was going to be to Real Muto. Plus, he's probably going to take 10 or 15 games where he gets to pick between Real Muto and Smith and, and play better matchups. And so there's a real upgrade there. But no, you're right, not nearly as much as if he had been bouncing around with the garbage that can be found at catcher. Oh, God, tell me about it. It's It's been a brutal season at the catcher position, like like every year. Um, but yes. no, it's actually a good point because now he's basically secured that every night he's going to have an elite catcher, whether it's Smith, whether it's your Muto. And I assume he can put one in at utility, right? Yeah, yeah, he can use them both. Although let's take another look at his roster and see optimum lineup is. He's got Jared Walsh as his first baseman. He has Shohei Otani as his util. So he's not plugging in oh Real Muto or Smith as util that often. Usually it'll be one of those guys. It'll be Otani, I mean. I don't know. I mean, looking at this... When Otani pitches, he does have an opening at Util, and one of those guys could fill it given some of his other options. I don't know. I it it does seem like a it seems like a high cost upgrade to half a position, but it's not a bad upgrade. It'll definitely make a difference. I think the interesting thing about this trade is 
it's a good reminder not to be too precious about your young players. Oh no! Right, way. because I think yeah. there's a real opportunity to upgrade here. I do think your your point on the Conforto and Karoloff deal and like what is Conforto going to do in the second half? How much is Karoloff going to break out? Like that is a really good question. Those that's that is something to think about. If you're looking at that deal and you think Conforto is going to go back to being Conforto, and you think that Karoloff is going to continue to deal with struggles of learning to play in Major League Baseball, which is Neither of those are unreasonable expectations. It's a really great example of where you've given up one player, you have meaningfully upgraded that position. And I really like that. I do think it is fair to, to wonder like, man, how big is the gap between those two going to be? Was Could he have traded Karoloff for a more stable outfield upgrade, perhaps? And and potentially one that is cheaper, right? I mean, because Conforto yeah. at 20, I think he said $20. Like now, now you're paying for a player that might just be as good as the cheaper one. Yeah. But nope, uh, agreed 100%. I think it also underscores like Chad and I have definitely come across as like kind of anti-prospect a little bit, I think over the weeks. But it, it does show you that like having them are are completely is completely advantageous even if you're not that invested in like oh i'm gonna have this prospect and i can't wait for six years from now and he's finally playing <laughs> like you can trade him like that's that is yeah. an asset for sure so we only got a few minutes left do you have an auto new question of the day for me yeah we're just gonna dive into the the legends and story and myth of chad young and see what is the <laughs> what is the i guess best or most interesting odd new trade that you have seen in your years playing odd new and the best or most interesting trade i've seen in my i've seen so many trades yeah i mean i figured maybe maybe one or two would surface to the top and and potentially be interesting but if nothing's well, coming to mind then it's just a whiff yeah no let, let's start with I'll, i've got one story that i can tell of a trade that i made that is the trade i think about most i don't know if i'd call it I don't know if I'd call it a good trade. I no, that's not true. I know I would not call it a good trade. <laughs> For sure I wouldn't. But let me let's rewind to April of 2017. It's March, or actually it's March of 2017. March 31st. Season is just getting underway, just about to get underway. I've got a team that's pretty good. I think it can compete. I could really use a boost in the outfield. And I've got a couple of outfield prospects that I that I feel like I've got enough depth that I can move these outfield prospects. So I get in some trade talks and find out that a team is willing to give up Carlos Gomez. So Carlos Gomez at this time was going into his second season in Texas. He had started off the 2016 season in Houston, had struggled, went to Texas, and in the second half of Texas, in, in not even the second half, the last month or so of the season, 33 games, eight home runs, 362 on base, 543 slugging, just an excellent finish to the season. Was going to be back in Texas for 2017. And I was like, this is it. This is the outfield upgrade I need. I'm totally willing to give up this guy, Mickey Moniak, who I'm not really sure is going to turn anything into. And then this other guy who everyone says is the next trout, but he's probably not going to pan out. And I'm sure I won't miss Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh, I'm sure no. I'll be totally fine trading away this Ronald Acuna Jr. guy. <laughs> and so I'm you know, sorry I, I to the, make you relive this. I, know. I guess the, the, the good thing I would say, if, if there's a good thing, is this is 2017. Acuna didn't debut until 2018. So from the perspective that I was giving up a guy who wasn't going to help me for a guy who hopefully would, that that piece was fine. The problem is that Gomez wasn't good. 
I ended up cutting him in June and then getting him back on my team in July. He had a better second half, and so he stayed on my team through the end of the season, but then I cut him in the offseason, so he didn't last very long. He didn't do a whole lot for me. And Acuna, obviously, about a year later, you know, he was good. <laughs> he's, he's been very good. So the next year, that same team inquired on another outfield prospect I had by the name of Juan Soto, and I was like, no. I'm just, I'm not doing this. Not doing that again. And so I kept Soto. I've still got Soto on that team. Acuna is actually on the trade block in that league right now, and he's only $39. And so the challenge I'm running into is I'm in third, and the team that's trading him is in second. And so we're in this like weird situation where he's like, well, if you give me talent to get Acuna, I don't need to trade Acuna. I can just wait because then you're not going to catch me. But if we don't make this trade, then I'm stuck with Acuna giving me a zero, and you might catch like, I don't think we're able to figure out anything just yet, but maybe we will. Maybe we will. <laughs> Real quick, Jay, I know we're, we're wrapping up here. The logic there, I think people still got to know. Like that's a that's a horror story, but the yeah. logic is good because you replace Carlos Gomez with Joey Gallo's forty-one homers that year. Maybe you win the league. I like the logic. No, the thing is, had I gotten Gallo instead, had instead of giving up, I'd have to go back and like look at my roster. Looked like at that point. I am sure we debated a bunch of prospects. I am sure that other manager was asking specifically about Acuna. Had I managed to say, okay, I'll upgrade Maniac to X and downgrade Acuna to Y, and we'd agreed on it, the deal nobody would even be talking about it. It'd be some deal right. for some random outfielder who went nowhere and two prospects that no one cares about, right? Like, nope. so, and the reality is, I've made dozens of those trades over the years in Auto New. That's the one I remember because that's the one that went sideways. I knew there would be one. <laughs> right. And th there's going to be. But the thing is, like, if I could go back in time and erase, the, erase that deal, but also have to give away the other 11 that I made that didn't go out, come out that way, I probably am better off having, I'm better off having lost Acuna and made all those other deals than I would be if I just sat and hoarded my prospects and refused to do anything. So, <laughs> Chad, the anti prospect analyst. I'm not even anti-prospect. I love prospects, but, you know. <laughs> Anyways, that's about all the time we got today. Thank you for joining us. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Keep or Cut. That's Cut with a K. You can follow Pete at Pete B Baseball. You can follow me at Chad Young. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us reviews. Leave us ratings. We'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.